Howdy folks, and welcome to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and what we are is basically a campus ministry for the convinced and unconvinced believers and non-believers. We put a lot of emphasis on being community and people-oriented, and promoting a welcoming atmosphere of inclusivity and comfort. Uh, What this podcast is, is a collection of our worship night sermons given by our campus minister, William Bondrant. Um, So, without further ado, we really hope that you all enjoy this talk. Howdy! Howdy! Mickey D is the George Bush. This is the the first and last time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm really glad y'all came. Uh, Welcome to RUF. My name is William. If I haven't met you, I'd love to. Just grab me after the service. I'd love to talk about anything you want to talk about. Um, and so here, this is the first, also first time ever, hopefully not the last time ever, they were actually doing an Ash Wednesday uh, service for RUF. So this is the first year RUF has been on a Wednesday, so it kind of converged and made sense. And um, kind of doing a service like this might be weird to you, a little strange, something you may have never done before. And, um, and really all we're doing is like, like, I know there can be a lot of things that get kind of caught up in like, why would you do this? And maybe there's some reason why you wouldn't do this. But all we're doing is we're wanting to step into the reality that God actually made a real world and he actually made us with real bodies, with like real sense of touch and taste and smell and sight. And that like to somehow divorce spirituality and like being incarnate human beings, that's just not Christianity. And so one of the things that God's people have always done is when they've stepped into a season of just like thinking about like the reality of the brokenness of the world, thinking about the reality of their own brokenness, their sin, one of the things that they would always do is they would actually put on sackcloth we're just going to omit that part. I don't have a lot of sackcloth clothes. I don't know about you. Uh, but they would also like put ashes on their head. And it was just kind of a way because they were so, like, they didn't have this weird dichotomy between, like, invisible spiritual things and solid physical things. Like, they just were in both. And so we just want to do, like, a little physical symbol, a little physical sign of just kind of marking with ashes, and, and you'll see we'll kind of take you along in the service. Um, as we spend a little time confessing our sin, hearing the, the promise of the good news of Jesus declared over us, um, and as, as the church kind of around the globe is spending this next kind of chunk of weeks just fasting, praying, Maybe having given up some things. I just remind you again, uh, us RUF staff, we're doing a little uh, social media uh, smartphone fast. More than welcome to join us in that. Of course, you don't have to either. Um, it's just something we wanted to do to just lean into a time of, hey, being intentional with other people. Maybe just being okay with sitting in silence and not being distracted. And I'll tell you, I've only been doing it for a day, and it's really hard. And like my dopamine receptors are like, give me a hit, like I need something. Like, come on, look at Instagram, give me a like. Uh, and uh, but it's good. I'm stepping in. So yeah, if you want to talk about that more, uh, you can. But yeah, the way this is going to work 
is, um, of course, you don't, you don't have to participate in this if you don't want to. Um, but for those that want to be marked with ashes, uh, Maggie is going to kind of be our usher. And we're just going to do row, row by row. So like this row, will just y'all kind of come up and like come up here, line up. Um, we'll do the marking of ashes. And then when you're done, you just kind of go up. If you could kind of hug, hug tight right here to go back because there's going to be the next row is going to be coming down around. Hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to uh, do this pretty quick and orderly. And um, kind of once we do that, everybody will, will uh, continue the service. So, all right. Um, all right, again, as we're um, just using this as an opportunity to just like feel and experience that, you know, when the Lord made us, uh, he made man of the dust of the earth. And we were made actually to live forever. When the fall happened, uh, and then what happened, we died spiritually, and we all eventually fall apart and decay physically. From dust we came, from dust we returned. And I said, just this mark, just a little reminder of the reality that we are mortal, and that we are all on a course towards death and disintegration. The only hope we have in this life is that somebody would come along and put things to right. And that's the hope, of course, we have in Jesus, which is you have that cross also marked in you, right? That, it is through that death, it is through the disintegration of God himself that we actually have life, that death experiences death, and we get life. And so as we confess our sins uh, silently at first and then together, uh, we really just want to lean into that reality that part of the good news of Christianity is reckoning with the bad news first. So let's do that together. Uh, so friends, let us silently, just in your heart, spend some time confessing your sins unto our Almighty God. Now let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Together you have it in your bulletin. Um, you can see it up here on the screen. Let's confess, most holy and merciful Father, we acknowledge and confess before you our sinful nature, prone to evil and slothful in good, and all our shortcomings and offenses. You alone know how often we have sinned, in wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. But you, O Lord, have mercy upon us, who are ashamed and sorry for all in which we have displeased you. Teach us to hate our errors, cleanse us from our secret faults, and forgive us our sins for the sake of your dear Son. And, O oh, most holy and loving Father, help us, we beseech you, to live in your light and walk in your ways according to the commandments of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, will you stand? Will you stand as people who have come before a holy God, but a merciful God? And when you hear this assurance, this declaration of pardon, Almighty God, who does freely pardon all who repent and turn to Him, now fulfill in every contrite heart the promise of redeeming grace, remitting, forgiving, removing all our sins, and cleansing us from an evil conscience through the perfect sacrifice of Christ our Lord, and keep us evermore in the peace and joy of a holy life.
that we may love and serve Him always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are you seated? So again, I hope that this service just kind of kickstarts a season. Even if Lent's not really something you you do, I think there's a lot of value um, in still just however you might think about it. Letting there just be this season before uh, we celebrate as a church Easter um, to just be mindful, to just find rest and peace um, as believers in Jesus. And what he has done for us and how he is moving us close to himself. He has and he is and he will continue to. And if Lent is just a time when you just kind of concentrate on how big your need is for that, then beautiful. So I hope this is helpful. Okay, and so if you're joining us uh, for the first time, the thing that we've been doing this semester is walking through a particular section of the Old Testament book of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent. And what this section is, it's a song book. Taking God's people of old and even us, God's people of new, on a journey of discipleship towards God himself. And the particular psalm we're going to look at tonight is actually very fitting for an Ash Wednesday service because it's about the Israelites reflecting uh, on the reality of, of what it looks like to find joy. Find joy in repentance and confession of sin, of all things. And that's what I'm really just hoping for us tonight, that is, as much as we are focusing on this thing called sin, and I know that feels like, man, that's the, the bummer part of Christianity. That's kind of this negative, almost regressive feeling aspect of Christianity, that we would actually come to think of it much differently than that, and that we would see with the psalmist that actually real joy, true joy in this life necessarily flows from dealing with sin. Okay, so let's read and dig in. So Psalm 126, a song of ascendance. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So Lord, the Lord, we pray. Uh, Lord, this is your word. Um, and you tell us that your word is food for us. Uh, and so as we feast on it, I pray that we would find nourishment. Um, we might know, not know exactly um, how this is feeding this or how this is keeping us alive, but like this is, this is what you have for us. You are giving us your word that week after week after week we would have it declared and preached over us um, that we might be full and alive that we would even thrive. And so we ask you to meet us here. In your name we pray. Amen. So even if you aren't a 
particularly like news watching kind of person, or maybe you don't follow politics very closely. I think pretty much everyone is read in on the geopolitical conflict that is war uh, in, in Ukraine um, with, with Russia right now. And we obviously have no idea how that conflict is going to shake out. Um, but I just kind of wanted to invite you for a second into imagining for a moment that you are a Ukrainian. Okay? Your country's under attack. Life as you know it has just been absolutely tumped upside down. Um, your family might be torn apart. Right? Men are engaged in warfare having to send their children and their wives into just foreign countries. They don't even know where they're going, might not even have the ability uh, to talk to each other. But so even as you are kind of holding out this hope, like, hey, there's some glimmers of hope, we're doing this thing, like there's just absolutely zero assurances that things will be normal or okay again, anytime soon or maybe even ever. Um, right, you've, you've seen the news, you've seen the scenes, you know the things, all right? So now I want you to imagine, just for a second, that like maybe we wake up tomorrow and Russia has declared it's removing all of its forces from Ukraine, they're putting down arms, just ending the offensive altogether, and it's just being shouted around the globe. Like, Ukraine is victorious. Families are reunited, coming back into the country. Right? Construction crews are already starting to line up and rebuild buildings, apartment complexes. Right? Peace and normal life restored, brought back. Like, that would feel amazing. That would feel miraculous. It would be miraculous. That's the situation that Israel is singing about in this song. Right? And if you're not familiar with the history of ancient Israel, one of the things that happened to them in their history is that just because of the corporate sinfulness of their, their nation, um, God's decent prophet after prophet, and just year after year, God warned his people, uh, turn away from sin, turn back to following him, like reorient their national life to cohere to his commands and his plan. Um, and just after prophet after prophet, year after year of ignoring, God actually gave his people into the hands of the Babylonian Empire. Actually allowed Babylon to conquer them, invade them and conquer them. And when Babylon did that, they actually took huge numbers of the Israelites out of the land of Canaan into Babylon, into exile. Okay? And so they were forced to live in just this displaced is anything ever going to be normal again? Is anything going to be okay again? Kind of existence. And then one day, the geopolitical landscape turned and God made a way. Right? He, as, just like he promised that he would, he made a way for them to return and be restored to the land of Canaan, to the promised land. Okay? And so this psalm is all about Israelites after that that have been brought back into the land looking back at that amazing return from exile that the Lord worked for them. But, but, the thing that they are singing about in the back half of the psalm, interestingly enough, is that even though they're going like, hey, we as a people, we as a nation, we experience this incredible rescue. 
And yet, we actually still feel and experience sin and hardship. We kind of still have a life where we're going, God, there needs to be more rescuing to be done. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to keep this short. So one point sermon tonight. Um, yeah, there you go. You're welcome. Um, that even for people who have already experienced salvation, for people that hold it, like we do here at RUF, there's a foregone conclusion that God has not held our sin against us, but has instead worked a restoration for us. Even still, there is actual incredible joy to be found in continuing in this stance and in this posture of turning away from sin, aka repentance, and turning God, turning to God who saves sinners. Like that's not just a thing that happens back there. That's just like the Christian life now. Okay, so let's look at that point. That there is real joy in repentance. Alright, so first half of the psalm, there's all this language of um, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. And then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And then you even have the lines about like all the surrounding nations, they just had to like stop and admit, wow, something absolutely incredible and unprecedented has happened to Israel. Uh, so real, unadulterated joy, gladness, celebration. Here's the question: Why were they so happy? Their joy levels were so high because their previous experience of exile was so low. Right? They knew like, the weight of their sin. They knew the weight of what got them there in exile. They knew the weight of what it felt like to be a displaced, is ever, anything ever going to be okay again kind of people. Right? Like They were actually forced for 70 years to just sit in a state of, wow, we are receiving the just desserts of our rebellion against God. And now we just have to sit in a place of prayer and a life stance of God, please forgive our sins and reconcile us back to life with you. Um, and look, I think this is so incredibly instructive to us as modern day believers. Right? That one of the things that I think we can really major in um, in Christianity today, kind of in our American Christianity is like we can just major on, man, how beautiful and wonderful God's free gift of love is to his people, right? Just come as you are. God loves you. Jesus loves you. He died to give you a kingdom and dignity and everlasting life. And that's awesome. And that's right. <laughs> that's true. However, I think here's the, here's the scriptures kind of however that I would like to speak into just our current moment. It's this. I think sometimes we can be so quick to just leapfrog over to the like grace, good news kind of thing that we can actually jump over the bad news of Christianity. And that's kind of weird to hear me say, isn't it? That for the good news of Christianity to be good news, there actually has to be some real bad news that the good news is meaning. That the good news is solving. 
Right? Here's the thing. If, if you miss the bad news, you will actually destroy the good news. Um, right? It just kind of becomes this like wishy-washy platitude stuff instead of good news. Um, all right, so look again at the psalm. Um, you're going to see uh, right, that the people of Israel looking back at this incredible good news of God, forgiving them, restoring them, um, that they are actually, again, still in a place where they still haven't gotten over the need to reflect on the bad news that clings to the reality. Right? They're, they're still asking God, who has saved them, keep saving us. Like, restore our fortunes, O oh Lord. You did it once, keep doing it. Right? Like, strings in the negative. Lord, we still need you to be the same God who saved us back then, to be the same God who saves us now. We still need you to bring refreshing and healing and life to us now. Why? Because the same circumstances that led to us going into exile, that led to us needing to be saved before, right, our inability to love God, our inability to love people around us the way God wants us to, those circumstances are still our circumstances. Right? We're still pretty much those same exact people. Right? Even after we've been forgiven, we've been restored, but we still sin. Um, Alright, so let me, let me kind of do this for us. Let me connect the, the Old Testament reality that we're dealing with here to like our today New Testament reality, just so we can be kind of clear. Alright. So when the Israelites were brought back um, into the land and restored, the temple rebuilt and all kinds of other amazing stuff, uh, the narrative arc of the Bible, we see this in, in prophets and just different historical books, the narrative arc of the Bible is, is still holding out this tension even after Israel comes back out of exile, that there's actually a, a better a truer, a fuller restoration that still needs to be um, made manifest by God. Um, right? And so it's like this left. Like one example would just be, okay, the temple of old when it was built and everything was consecrated, it was like filled with the glory of God. When the Israelites rebuild the temple after it was destroyed and brought back into exile, it's like there's this whole scene where the people that remember the first temple are seeing the rebuilt new temple and they're just crying and they're sobbing. They're sobbing because it's not as glorious as the old one. And guess what never happens? The glory of God never fills that temple. Again, right? There's, so there's still this idea that like there is more restoration that still needs to happen. Okay. Then you get to the New Testament. Jesus enters the scene. All of a sudden, he starts fulfilling prophecy. He starts stepping into this like longed-for uh, role of the Messiah that the prophets also um, uh, foretold. Right? And he actually steps into a work, the work, that makes sense of how a good, just, holy God is going to be able to really and truly forgive not holy people. Um, he steps into that work. He steps into that work uh, by being a man, or being a human being, being a human being without sin, but then suffering the punishment and the death for that sin that he doesn't deserve. He does it 
on behalf of his people, right? So as a human, true human being, he eats human sin. He eats the guilt of it. He absorbs it. But he doesn't just do it as a man. And he also does it as God himself. Right? And so then because he is God himself, he can actually take that price that he paid for guilt and he can go, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Right? He has the power of God to just deal this out uh, and to be this perfect priest, as it were, uh, between God and man because that's what he is. He is God and man. Okay. So what that means for us is that when we trust in Jesus, we are restored. It is done. God has ultimately and finally restored our fortunes. And he doesn't restore the fortunes of like pretty decent people that, you know, maybe just kind of screw up here or there. But like in the big shakeout of things, like they're, they're good. They're good. He restores rogue, <laughs> completely dead as a doornail in their guilt before a morally perfect God without stain or blemish. He dies for those kinds of people. You like me. You like it. And here's kind of the weird, uncomfortable rub of Christianity. Uh, but if, here's the rub. If you actually lean into this, uh, you will unlock joy on joy on joy. The rub is this. That when God legally, according to the substitutionary death of Jesus, permanently declares sinners like us not guilty, when he definitively declares us as righteous, because of Jesus' righteousness, we are legally in God's ledgers and in God's heart restored, righteous, without spot or blemish. And we, in our still human reality, we are still sinners. We still sin. Sin pumps out of us. It comes out of our nature. It's what we are. Right? Still as a restored people in the here and now, if it were not for the declaration of Jesus over us, we absolutely would still be standing in the guilt of our sin before God because it's what we what we do. And that feels like a really insane tension to us. But to God, it's exactly what He wants. Right? It's actually what He wants for us in the here and now. It's not God's plan to just like zap people and forgive them, and then now all of a sudden they just become these perfect holy people that never sin anymore. That's not God's plan for the world. That's not how He works, um, right? And so, do you know what will make you absolutely miserable as a Christian? To forget that you are a sinner, or to act like you're not one anymore because because you became a Christian. Because either one you're going to feel like a giant hypocrite. Um, right? As you're in the world, you're trying to act like, I'm just a great Christian, and I've got all my stuff together, but really, you know, that just gossip, and lies, and cheating, and hatred, and sexual immorality, and all the other things just coursing through your life. And you'll just feel like crap, and that you're a joke and a fake, and eventually, what you'll probably just end up doing is punting the faith altogether. Uh, or, the other side of the coin is that you actually do yourself into believing that you are this really, really good, super good Christian that can do no wrong, and everyone else will know that that's not the case because they experience you as self-righteous, awful jerk um, that thinks they're better than everyone else, but everyone else just knows that you're just me. Right? And you have no joy. You have no joy. 
But you know where real joy is actually experienced? It's counterintuitive. It's the upside-down kingdom of Jesus. It's the opposite of what you think. Um, some of you are from the Hill Country. Some of you may have spent a lot of time in the Hill Country. Uh, this time of year, in the winter or other times of year, it can feel pretty arid and, like, dead. Um, and there are even times of year where the, the rivers and the stream beds are just kind of all dried up. But what happens when spring comes? What happens when you get like a good like couple of downpours of rain coming, right? Drip, uh, yeah, dry, dead uh, river beds, stream beds, starts to level. Right? A day ago, it used to just be kind of like brown, dead grass. Like overnight, can just turn into green and blue bonnets and Indian paintbrush and you know, people like lining up for photo shoots and all that stuff. Like right overnight, it just becomes like what was just this brown, dead, arid place just becomes gorgeous, beautiful. It's in the dead, dry places where life and beauty can actually spring up in an instant. Friends, do you believe that when Jesus said he came to save sinners, he came to be a friend of sinners? Do you believe that he actually meant that? They actually came to save sinners. In your walk with Jesus, have you forgotten to relate to him as somebody who's actually a sinner and broken and in need of him? Right? That you are a dry, sinful, barren place. Do you know that to be you? Because here's the crazy counterintuitive reality of Christianity. It's that when you are most reflective, most in touch with that, most attentive to that, even Regularly confessing that. Confessing it yourself. Confessing that together. Right? Living in a community together. We're saying we are sinful. We are broken. That's who we are as a people. It's when you're actually sad and wanting. You've taken enough time. Maybe away from your phone. Away from Netflix. Away from all the distractifying. Actually just sit and feel some sadness and grief over your sins and the world that is actually there where you're going to find real refreshment and joy in Jesus, where you're actually going to appreciate what it means for Him to save you, what it means for Him to have found you, what it means for Him to have rescued you and to give you life, because you will become well acquainted with the death of sin. And there will be nothing sweeter to you than the life and the love that Jesus has to offer become soft and humble. You're actually able to be vulnerable with people. You're actually able to be a real person to other people. Free people. Light. Able to not take yourself so seriously. Right? Able to do something other than just kind of like take care of you and yours, but actually able to turn to other people. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean from me? Alright, so let's, let's take this night. Let's take this season. Just spend some time sitting with the bad news. I'm sinner. Wholly deserving of God's display. Wrath, bad things, never having God shine upon me. That's what I deserve. That's what I should get. When we actually just spend some time there in the dry, we can actually have a voice to cry out for water. We can actually have a voice to cry out for Jesus and taste like he's actually sweet. 
has joy. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, um, we do. Just in a, in a service where we just really spend a lot of time thinking about um, what is wrong with us, what is wrong with the world. Um, and I'm sure there's, just, there's all kinds of things. I'm sure it's kind of flitting across people's brains. Of like, man, he, here's a sin pattern. Here's a struggle that I just have, and I've, like, prayed about it. And I have thought about it. And I've, like, even tried to put up accountability measures, and I just still struggle with this thing. It just feels like, to me, Lord, would you just help us to just, with open, empty hands, just bring that to you and know that like you don't love and forgive people that get that figured out first that you love people that sin you love sinners that you don't make us or that we don't make ourselves acceptable to you uh, by kind of looking good um, from the outside the thing that qualifies us for your love is actually how unqualified we are in saying that. So Lord, you help us say that uh, with truth in our hearts. And it's in your name, Jesus, we cry to you. Restore us. Restore our fortunes. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If y'all are interested in joining us for a future worship night, we would absolutely love to see y'all at All Face Chapel Uh, On the north side of campus, across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays, go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events that we might be putting on throughout the semester. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope to see you all around sometime.